Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for November 2nd, 2023. The Treasury joins the Fed in the spotlight. The FOMC just wrapped up their November meeting and decided to keep rates steady. But Chair Powell made it clear that further tightening is still on the table for future meetings. What factors could swing the Fed to raise rates again? And what expectations do we have for Fed policy in 2024? This is Brian Kirk, and here to break down the latest update from the Fed are Nationwide's Chief Economist, Kathy Bostancic, and Senior Economist, Ben Ayers. Kathy, what were your key takeaways from yesterday's FOMC statement? And also, we got an update from the Treasury yesterday. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Well, you know, it actually was a very unusual turn of events where the Treasury announcement to their quarterly refunding announcement actually, in a sense, stole the spotlight from the Federal Reserve. And the focus there really is the fact that the Treasury has to continue to increase Treasury issuance because the budget deficit has widened and remains quite large, you know, going forward. A lot of that due to entitlement spending. But it also is the fact that the Treasury had to refill its balance sheet, in a sense, um, because they ran down cash balances so much during the the uh, prospect of, of a government default. Of course, that didn't happen. The debt ceiling was was increased at the last moment. But because of that, Treasury had to run down its cash balance so that we wouldn't actually default and they could they could make payments. So long story short is they've had to refill their coffers and at the same time issue new debt to, to pay for the large deficits. What we saw specifically though on on Monday they released their updated quarterly borrowing amounts. They actually reduced the size of the fourth quarter. So that was a pleasant surprise. The borrowing amount still large, uh, $776 billion for the fourth quarter, but that was reduced from their previous estimate, which was $852 billion. Uh, and then Wednesday morning, they announced the size of what is their quarterly refunding package. So that's the issuance of three-year, 10-year and 30-year bonds. And the total size of the gross issuance uh, was a little lighter. So it was $112 billion still sizable, but that was down from the expectations of $114 billion. And what was more meaningful is where they shifted the increase in the, the Treasury issuance. It was more in the shorter dated um, coupon securities. So the, the three-year note was increased uh, auction size by $6 billion, the 10-year only $2 billion, and the 30-year $1 billion. And they're also comfortable overall relying on heavy issuance in the bill sector or heavy borrowing. Right now, uh, the bill sector represents about 20% of outstanding marketable debt. That That's at the higher end of the historic range, usually it's between 15 and 20. They've indicated that they're okay keeping it there, even if it goes slightly higher. Some of that was sort of speculated ahead of time. And some people were saying that, you know, Janet Yellen and as Treasury Secretary previously should have termed out the debt 
when rates were were much lower, should have issued a lot more 10-year debt and 30-year debt. And now with long-term rates having risen so much, there was this you know, push to issue more short-dated debt, right? Not to lock into the near 5% 10-year issuance. So in a sense, the Treasury sort of acquiesced to that, it, it seems, but I think they were also looking at where is demand along the curve and they assess these conditions when they issue debt. But what the net result was a pretty powerful rally across the yield curve, actually, but particularly in the longer dated maturities. We actually start, we have seen 10-year Treasury note yields fall 30% in you know just in a day it's a tremendous robust rally and a lot of it linked to the idea that you know the treasury is is comfortable again issuing more of short dated uh, treasury paper but of course Brian as you mentioned we also got the fed announcement and it was again it was eclipsed by treasury but i think the Fed's uh, decision to hold rates for the second consecutive meeting, but more importantly, Chairman Powell's guidance sounded a lot less hawkish to us than he was previously. So he certainly left the door open to further rate hikes, but due to the tightening of financial conditions and credit conditions, the expectation that GDP growth is moderating, especially as we go into the fourth quarter. And he also talked about supply demand dynamics in the market, labor market becoming more balanced. That suggests that the Fed has less urgency to maybe raise rates again. And, that, and that's despite a really blowout third quarter GDP growth figure that was almost 5%. And all of that supports our view that, you know, we think the Fed is done hiking rates for this cycle. but it's going to be, you know, continue to be very data dependent going forward. We're going to get two more employment reports. We'll get an employment report on tomorrow, Friday, for the month of October, and then also two inflation reports. So Fed is very de- data dependent, but you did sense a little less pressure on, on the chairman to indicate, you know, that they, they needed to necessarily raise rates. And a big part of it is that financial conditions tightened so much. Long-term rates, even though we've rallied back 30 basis points, rates have gone up a lot, the dollar's stronger. Now, I would note, I, I do wonder if Chairman Powell sort of regrets inserting in the policy statement the word, you know, that financial conditions were tighter and emphasizing that when we had this strong rally in, in 10-year yields. Um, we'll just have to wait and see, you know, their further commentary once they get out of the blackout period surrounding the meeting. Thank you, Kathy. Now, Ben, we just heard Kathy talk about the Fed. You know, it seems to be they're walking a fine line between maintaining a tightening bias with inflation still elevated, but also trying not to tighten too much and cause a recession. So, Ben, are there any signs that you think the, the Fed's tightening is actually working to slow inflation? Yeah, you know, you, you look at some of the strong data that we've had coming out of the economy in recent months, and I think there'd be some concern that we're not. But I think when I look at many of the measures of inflation, particularly focusing on the Fed's preferred inflation measures, the PCE price indices, you know, there are some signs that the Fed tightening is working. It's slowing demand more broadly. It might not be happening as quickly as we thought it would, but we are seeing that demand and prices and inflation across the economy are coming back to earth. Yet again, this may be 
not as quickly as we thought, but it, it is working and that maybe that lag is just a little bit longer than we were hoping to see when, when the Fed made all those moves most of a year ago. You know, again, focusing on the Fed's preferred inflation measures, the three-month annualized rate for the overall PCE price index slowed to 2.1% in September. The, the, the same reading for the core PCE, which takes out food and energy, eased to 2.9%, and that was the weakest reading since early 2021. So while inflation continues to run above 2%, you know, both those measures are still above the Fed's target of 2%, it is slowing. And again, maybe more gradually than the Fed would like, but we're certainly seeing some progress on inflation and it's coming back down to earth. But of course, the devil might be in the details here. You, you know, Most of that cooling of inflation that we've seen, whether you look at the CPI, whether you look at the PCE over the past year, has been tied to goods inflation, where we've seen you know improvements in the supply chain, seeing many of those costs for goods, and obviously demand for goods come down as well. It's the services side that remains far too elevated um, to get inflation back to 2%, we think, on a sustainable basis anytime soon. Uh, you look at wages, according to the employment cost index, we just got that number for the third quarter. Wages were up pretty sharply again and up over 4.5% over the past year. You know, the pre-pandemic trend was about 25 to 3%. So we're still quite a ways away from where we'd like to be and certainly continuing to add pressure to those inflation stories and this cost, particularly on the service side of the economy more broadly. You know, as a result, what we would call the super core measure for the PCE price indices remains stuck about 4% year over year in September. And it's only really shown a little bit of a modest downtrend in recent months. So, you know, again, some good news, some bad news. Um, you know, this certainly suggests that service costs may not be responding as much to tighter Fed policy after all. And, and maybe we do need to see higher rates or at least a extended period of restrictive monetary policy to see service costs come back to the range where we would actually get more sustainable inflation path more broadly for the economy. You know, Kathy mentioned a lot of this in, in her commentary. Obviously, one thing the Fed does have going for them is that financial market conditions have tightened, and they've tightened without the Fed actually having to lift the Fed funds rate anymore. You know, we did see interest rates spiked over September. Mortgage rates are pretty close to 8%, and many of those financing costs across the economy, whether for consumers or for businesses, are up sharply. Um, we also see the banks are tightening their lending standards, and that's further constricting that credit box and limiting the amount of demand and investment options that we see across the economy. You look at a measure like the Goldman Sachs you know, U.S. Financial Conditions Index, it's climbed back near its highs that we've had over this cycle. So that really suggests a much tighter financial environment. And again, this is doing some of the work for the Fed without the Fed having to make any more policy moves, really aside from obviously signaling that they're going to maintain a higher for longer path into the future. You know, as Kathy mentioned, rates have come down a little bit. Um, so maybe some of that m movement has, has dissipated over the last couple of days. But, you know, we'll see where things go going forward. And rates are still much higher than they were a month or two ago. And again, this continues to actively tighten the, the action that we see across the economy. So really, the big question is, you know, how much more work does the Fed need to do? And, and could this prevent them from doing any further tightening moves? We think that's the case. Um, but obviously, you know, still a lot of data to digest in coming months and a lot of shifts and turns that we see for the economy as we see still a little, pretty good momentum coming into the fourth quarter. How much does that dissipate as we get towards the end of 2023? Well, thanks, Ben. Let's stay on that topic then. You're talking about the things that are going to be coming out in the next few months. And of course, the Fed will meet again in mid-December. 
I guess it's hard to predict if they're going to raise rates then again or not. But what data do you think they're going to be watching ahead of that meeting? And do you expect the Fed to raise rates again this cycle? You know, as usual, it's a pretty packed calendar for the economic data, you know, as we get, as we look forward, you know, Kathy mentioned this a little bit in her commentary, you know, I think the jobs number, we'll get another jobs number here this week and another jobs number at the beginning of December. Those are really going to be paramount. You know, do they see signs that employers are starting to cut back in the face of rising costs and compressing profit margins? Do we see some reduced labor demand? And again, does that start to put more pressure on consumers where maybe they start to cut back on their spending? So I think those job numbers are going to be huge. Um, Also, the CPI reports, we'll get two of those, uh, obviously one in the middle a couple weeks from now, and then one right ahead of when the FOMC meets in mid-December. So, you know, those are going to be very big things to see. Again, is that service side of the inflation story starting to ease a little bit. Do we see housing costs come down? You know, so I think those job numbers, the CPI numbers, those are probably the the biggest hitters for me as, as we look out over the calendar. But there's lots of other data. And you look at some of the wider topics, you know, might be including job openings. And we just got a number for that. Um, or September, do we see job openings come down? They didn't come down in September. Do we see further reduction in the amount of businesses that are going to look for workers more broadly across the economy? And then spending, you know, coming into holiday season, um, what are the early signs from holiday spending? Are people cutting back, particularly on big ticket items? with the interest rates going up too much? What's the overall spending outlook that we see for consumers? And then we do get one more uh, senior loan officer survey, which will tell us what's going on with credit conditions. Are banks continuing to tighten the conditions? Or are we gonna see a much more expensive lending environment for businesses? Again, all this data is gonna be in there for the Fed to digest from now until the middle part of December. And then we do have to bring up outside risks. Um, this was brought up in questioning of, of Chair Powell yesterday. You know, what happens with the the war between Israel and Hamas? Does that break out into a regional conflict which threatens oil prices and energy costs? And do we see a federal government shutdown in mid-November? So there's a couple other external factors that may influence, obviously, what the Fed decides to do in December, depending on what impact that has on the economic outlook that we have in the near term here. You know, I think as, as Kathy teased, I would agree with this as well, add it all up, and I, I think we'll see another Fed hold in December. Um, especially if some of the incoming economic data that we see over the next month, month and a half come in, show a little cooler data. You know, Fed fund futures are only pricing in about a, you know, 20 to 25% odds of a rate increase from here. And I think that's about right. I think the, you know, still the potential for the Fed to move higher, but I think the baseline should be that they're done for the cycle. Uh, and really the focus now shifts to when do they eventually start to ease? And obviously by what the Fed has said and really what the market is pricing in, not expecting the Fed to uh, to ease rates for quite some time. So, Kathy, love to hear your thoughts on this. You know, do you? I, I think you agree there's not going to be another rate hike in December. Um, but as we shift the calendar towards 2024, what can we expect to see from Fed policy looking forward? Yeah, that's right, Ben. You know, it does look like the Fed is done tightening for this business cycle the comments from Chairman Powell, you know, seem to support that. But as you you rightly pointed out, the fact is that we have a lot more data yet to digest. The employment data, inflation really loom large here. I mean, if we get a curveball, you know, on on growth or labor market inflation, then the Fed, uh, you know, may be forced to to raise rates further. You know, the door is still open. I think what Chairman Powell has indicated, and and we would agree strongly with it. The 
odds of inflation continuing to trend lower are, are greatly enhanced if GDP growth slows below trend. The long run trend is, is 2%. So as, as long as growth you know, comes off its boil, we don't think it's sustainable, you know, the 4.9 we got in Q3, but we need to see growth slow to give them more confidence. And that's what he said. We're, we're not yet fully confident that we're at a restrictive enough level and their confidence will increase if they see um, growth slow, you know, to 2% or below and to see the labor market come into balance a lot more. And we've had encouraging side on the supply side. We've seen increased immigration and, and participation rate. And he highlighted that, Powell did yesterday, and we see that in the data as well. So that may indeed help and it could secure a, a softer landing. Our, our view though remains that we are, are more likely to see a mild recession in, in 2024 with the deepest part of that com- contraction coming in the second quarter. And we think that that recession will help inflation. The silver lining is to continue to trend lower. And we think rate cuts are a long way off, you know, towards the middle part of next year. But we do think if we're correct on inflation growth, the Fed can come in and, and actually start to cut rates but it'd be very gradual. And again, it would be, you know, wouldn't be until, you know, mid 2024. You know, I look at what the markets are pricing in. It it seems, you know, and that's a big reason why long-term rates rose as much as they did, you know, prior to yesterday is the market recalibrated and said, okay, the Fed is higher for longer for now, so to speak. Um, They're not going to be in in a rush to cut rates. And when they do, it'll be much slower than in previous rate cutting cycles. And I think, you know, that's the message the markets have largely taken and digested. And if you look at the Fed Funds futures, it's not really until June that you get a 25 basis point rate cut fully priced in. And and I think that that's about right. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate that insight there about the uh, look ahead here. And we'll monitor things as close as we can here and report on them in this podcast and stay tuned. So also uh, next week, we're going to focus on the economic impact of recent geopolitical uncertainty, both in the Middle East and in Washington. So make sure you subscribe to be notified of each new episode. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. Information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023, Nationwide.